0: kilobytes
1: kilobytes oh fans hold on okay <clears throat> almost got me that time almost got me the sneaky fans <laughs>
0: Welcome to episode 428 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another
1: episode. Brian, how you doing?
0: A little tired for this one. Dare I say we're going to keep it short?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going to be doing most of the talking, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, so we
0: might be here for a while. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding.
0: Yeah, uh, today was a travel day. I came back from Salt Lake City to San Francisco with two ski bags and a dog in tow. I'm a really stressed out traveler, Marshall. I don't know what kind you are, but I feel incredibly stressed from starting about like four hours before a flight to the time I arrive in the place where I'll be sleeping. I'm pretty much stressed the whole time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know if I inherited this because my mom was the same way. Like we would always get to the airport two or three hours ahead of time. So I kind of inherited some of that stress. But I will tell you on our flight out, we almost missed our flight. We oh uh, we were the last people to board and it was the first time I'd ever had my name over the PA in the terminal. Lovin. Oh no, Brian. Lovin, final boarding call. And like Effie and I are running through with, with the pup, you know, we're just like sprinting through the terminal. We're coming, we're coming um anyways so equally stressful coming back but we made it we made it how are you Uh, i'm stressed out now just thinking about it oh my god yeah
1: glad you made it glad everything turned out all right and uh glad you're back here safe
0: and sound hopefully you had a, a good trip it was wonderful uh how are you doing
1: I'm doing great. I'm I'm thinking about these wonderful questions we got here for the main topic and that sidebar, so ready
0: to talk. Yeah, you're going to be talking. I get to sit back and uh, just listen, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the rare episode where I try to say something smart.
0: Well, let's do it. Let's dig in. First up, a huge shout out to our Golden Ratio supporter, Zeppelin. Zeppelin lets designers spend more time designing, less time prepping design files with Zeppelin. You can effortlessly build user journeys. They have a feature called Flows, which lets you draw native connectors, create flow groups, add text labels, so you don't have to maintain all those extra layers annotating the flow in your design tool of choice. Zeppelin gets the entire team on the same page with exactly what everyone needs to build. You can learn more at designdetails.fm slash zeppelin. That's Z-E-P-L-I-N. Thank you, Zeppelin. Thanks, Zeppelin. We also have a Big ol' list of very important pixels this week. <laughs> yeah, Marshall. A bunch. Holy moly. All right, you ready? Yeah. Take one. Here we go. Huge shout outs to our new Vips John Casey, Francis Wu, Myra Pulido, Usern K1, Michael Olson, D, Stacey Peterson, Justin Haldane, Deanne Chen, Declan Riley Gordon, Alex Blanco, Phoebe Hoagland, TL, Justin (laughs) Buckamonth. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Did you get that one?
1: Yeah, it took me a second. I I'm like, wait, Buckamonth. Wait, Justin. (laughs)
0: Justin Buckamonth. All right, keep going, keep going. Sudanchu Guatam, Martin Benuelos, Adam Stanford, and Tara Kirkland. Wow.
1: I don't know if it gets better than Justin (laughs) Buckamonth, Brian. Justin Buckamonth. (laughs) Justin (laughs) Buckamonth. So good. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to the family.
0: Yes, welcome to the fam. Be sure to catch your first sidebar today. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that every week... Designers from around the world come together at patreon.com slash design details where for Justin Buckamont, Justin Buckamont, Justin Buckamont, you get access to double episodes every single week. That bonus episode we call the sidebar 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 on interview weeks. We get to ask bonus questions of our guests like we did last week with Adam and Mark. And this week, we get to talk about other design topics, like how to build an icon system of the scale and depth of SF Simples. Mmm, does that sound juicy? So if you want to catch all of our extra topics, bonus questions, extra design details every single week, head to patreon.com slash design details. Thank you to all of our VIPs for jumping in this week. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right, main topic time, Brian. We got a listener question. Yeah, how about I read this since you get to answer it? So I'll I'll be the stand-in for the anonymous listener who sent this in. All right, we received this by DM, which for those of you who don't know, if we get a DM, we assume you want it to remain anonymous. So, Anonymous asks, I've been promoted to a lead designer, and I'm managing a few entry-level designers working on small features. When discussing UX flows and sketches, they seem fine, but I randomly popped into their Figma files and noticed that their files are not as organized and their UI work has some issues with padding, margins, decimal values, etc. I feel like this is something easily trainable since it's UI related. I could jump on a call with them to educate them and show them some examples of how to do things, but I have a tiny doubt about if I'm micromanaging since this role is new to me. Am I micromanaging if I jump into their files and do padding checks? If yes, how do I do this right? If not, what's the difference between managing and micromanaging? What a question, Brian. Thank you for yeah, asking. Yeah, this is nice. Good good cue, Anon. Whoa, no. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Good question, Anonymous. <laughs>
1: All right. Yes. Good question, Anonymous. All right. So, well, okay. First off, let's, uh, Brian, Webster's Dictionary defines micromanaging. <laughs>
0: Uh-huh. No, but, uh huh.
1: No, but like, if we actually like think about what micromanaging, I think most people would define it as like not just being concerned about the details, but controlling every single part of the thing. So, to answer your question of, are you micromanaging if you jump into the files and do padding checks? No, I don't think so. I think if you're ensuring quality and there isn't another filter to ensure that quality, then yes, it, it, it's it's good that somebody is doing it. If it has to be you, then that's fine. Unless there's like QA down the down the road of the process that can take care of that stuff. But so how do you how do you address this? Yeah, I think your intuition is correct here. I think the doubt is wrong. Your brain is lying to you. It's good to do this stuff. And, and I'll give you an example. So I've done this before, right? I, I was a manager I had direct reports I no longer do at the moment but when I did one of the things I noticed is that some of the files weren't up to the the level that I expected of myself and, and I kind of had grown accustomed to seeing in others so I shared the things that I knew and I, I did it in, an, in a constructive way of not accusatory or anything like you're a bad designer of just like hey I noticed a couple things are you know wrong in your files like we can tighten it up do you know how to do that? If not, let me teach you some stuff, right? And this can become a teachable moment, I think, not just from the standpoint of, like, here's our design philosophy around, like, this is what our margins are, and this is how our padding works, and here's the logic behind how we do spacing, etc., but uh, also, like, a tool guidance thing, like, maybe they don't know how to use Figma or Sketch or whatever you're using, they don't know how to use those layout tools to the best of their ability to make these things easier, so... Uh, I guess maybe first ask to make sure that you're not telling them something that they already know and just, you know, they're like, I'm, you know, working dirty right now. This isn't in a place where I've cleaned it up. But if they feel comfortable with those files and they feel comfortable with their skills, then that's time to say like, Hey, I I know a way that makes my life a lot easier. Let me show you this trick. How's this sound so far, Brian?
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems fine. I just feel like there's still that risk that you come across a little bit patronizing like hey i noticed that your file wasn't really good do you know how to fix it you know it's like i don't know i guess it just depends on how you say it like what's is is your intent clear that you're actually just trying to help and not making any assumptions about their abilities but that seems kind of risky so
1: you want them to know that like you're coming from a place of assistance and ensuring the best quality for the product that you're all working on together right so I, but also i think like if it's coming from your manager or i don't know maybe this is just me but like um like oh shit my manager saw something that i did wrong like oh i want to fix that thing right maybe that's just me i'm a goody two-shoes brown noser i don't know.
0: yeah do you think it's better if this came from a peer level designer versus a manager
1: i mean it depends on if i trust the person to know their shit right like that's that's yeah. like the main thing like is this person an authoritative voice that i can trust their opinion like oh they do really good work, and I want my work to be as good as theirs. If they're seeing a flaw in my work, then I should listen to them. Maybe you're not that person to them, in which case this all kind of starts to break down, but sounds like you have a good understanding of all this stuff. So I assume you're seen as a, an
0: authority on this type of thing. You know what this reminds me of, Marshall? One of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show is moving out of opinion land into data land or moving into something more objective, and in the case of like how you organize your Figma file, I could imagine there's a certain degree of subjectivity. It's like, uh, you know, I would have organized it differently. I would have used emojis here. I would not have added auto layout there. Like all these kinds of things. And some of those subjective things can. I feel like that's where the gray area is. And is this patronizing or condescending or micromanaging? But moving it out of that subjective territory into something more objective. In this case, maybe orienting it around. You know, this will make it easier for engineers to use your file. Aligning with our paddings will make our product more consistent so our customers have a predictable experience when they're navigating the app. Like tying it back to some objective outcome that you can sort of sit on both sides of the table and look at that problem together versus sitting on opposite sides of the table and staring at the Figma file in between you feel like maybe that's a way to help here right in the case of like decimal values if if somebody has scaled something incorrectly and there's decimal values for a padding or a width or something it can literally just be like hey i just noticed this and by the way engineers will never be able to use that so they're going to have to guess if engineers are guessing we're going to be introducing inconsistencies and it's also just more work for them so it takes them longer to build things instead of doing that how about we rally around whatever this system that should make it so that decimal values are impossible to ever encounter something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I think that I was coming from the standpoint
1: of like, this is not even like how you build your files. It's more about like uh, aligning to those larger system rules of the, right, this is the right. margin that we use. That's the number that we use for that spacing. And I think a lot of times, if a designer doesn't know that stuff, you just eyeball it. You go, uh, this looks right to my eye, not knowing that there is a rule out there that defines what that number should be. So I think it's perfectly fine to step in and be like, hey, I don't know if you know, but our margins are 16 points, right? Uh, right you got 15 right. here, 15.67. Each of those numbers is a different problem here, whether it's like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it was an accident. Like, ah, yeah, you know, I moved this thing and everything got off by one. I thought I caught everything, but I, something like that. Or or they might not know any better. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I scaled this up. It was from a mock that was smaller and it didn't fit, so I scaled it up so it was the same width not realizing that that would Whoops. fuck up all of the decimals, right? So, you know, there there are a bunch of reasons that something could be wrong. It could be everything from negligence to a simple mistake that was 99% corrected and that was the one thing that they didn't catch. And they actually know how to correct it. They just missed the one thing, right? So part of this is a, a gauge of your own ability to, to detect when something is a mistake versus when it's like, oh, they just don't know. And then approach that from a way, like Brian was saying, approach that from a way that is both diplomatic and doesn't come across as aggressive or or anything like that. You you want to make sure that this is a mutual effort to make the product better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Like I mentioned, I've, I've done this before and, and kind of instilled some of these values in, in direct reports in the past. And a couple of years later, uh, one or two of them have said something to the effect of like, oh yeah, when I lay stuff out, I think about the ways you told me about laying stuff out. That's really cool. And I didn't know until years later that they had stuck, you know, that they still, it had stuck with them. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think all of these cases that you're describing, like if somebody sees you doing that and setting the example, it's not that you're telling them what to do. It's that these are also the things that you do yourself. That feels like a little bit more inspirational. Like, oh, this is how Marshall got to where he is is by in some part, doing these things. If I do these things, I can get to that point. Whereas that's where it's hard coming at this from, I think, the manager angle versus like a peer IC angle. If you're a manager no longer designing or that that person who is reporting to you has never experienced you as an IC, it might not feel as tangible. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was talking about,
1: being seen as a point of authority for that type of thing. If not, then it's a, a bit of an uphill battle, but yeah, hopefully through your knowledge and the things that you share, it, it becomes apparent that like, oh yeah, they know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. All right. So any other advice for anonymous? Um,
1: it seems like they're good UX designers, right? And just because you're a good UX designer doesn't necessarily mean that you are a great UI technician. You know what I mean? Like those are different skills and they, aren't, they don't necessarily come as a package, so and I would say the harder one is the good UX designer. So if they're good at their flows, they're making good sketches, they're thinking about structure and, and, and CUJs and all the things that we want to be thinking about, that's the hard part. If if they've already got that, then teaching what paddings are and what margins are, that that's easy.
0: You know, this is maybe a topic for another day, but I do constantly encounter folks who are... They sort of self identify as u x minded and not u i minded and even among senior designers, I see a common thread of like people at least they have this the self awareness, but they're self aware that their visuals are the weakest part of their tool belt and I think that's interesting because it does feel like the most tangible thing it's like your design looks good or it has obvious inconsistencies or feels sloppy. So anyways, this does feel like something that is a common thread throughout the industry is people who are solid at the UX side and just need more practice on the UI side. And you know, this is maybe something we talked about a long time ago when we interviewed Justin Stahl and there's probably all sorts of other reasons we could dig into in the future, which is are design systems hurting people's ability to develop visual skills, right? Like if you go and work at a place like Facebook or Google and there's just this really mature, robust design system and then the next thing you know you join a startup and they don't have that it's like you've kind of lost out on a lot of time to develop those visual skills and you got to figure it out so you know this is a good opportunity to teach that to folks who yeah like you mentioned they have the the UX foundation but they just need practice just practice yep cool
1: Hopefully that helped.
0: All right. You want to do cool things? Let's do some cool things, Brian. What you got for me? I'll go. So, Marshall, last week I was at Park City, Utah mm-hmm. doing a little bit of snowboarding. Yeah. And uh, one of the people I was with riding alongside told me about this app called Slopes. And a little bit of context here. So I there are different apps. Usually the one I'm most familiar with is made by, I think, owned by Vail Resorts you know, if you have an Epic Pass, that's part of Veil, they have an app called Epic Mix. And they have a system where it'll track how many runs you do, how many vertical feet you've climbed, and they give you all sorts of awards and badges and all this kind of stuff. It's just like a gamified data, quantified self sort of thing for for skiing and snowboarding. Well, anyways, Epic Mix is not good. It's just been neglected for years and years and years. From a product point of view, from a usability point of view, visually, it's just stuck in several years ago land so anyways uh the person i was skiing with told me about this app called slopes which is basically a better version of epic mix but better as in like 10 times better and so anyways that's my cool thing this week is if you ski or snowboard and haven't used the slopes app you should check it out because there's some really cool stuff to learn here and study from a design point of view so one of my favorite things it will add an entry to your logbook every time you go out for a day of riding. And that logbook will capture every thing you do on the mountain, all of your runs, all your chairlifts, the time spent sitting inside eating. And so when you get home at the end of the day, it will generate this timeline that you can scrub through. And it shows your avatar alongside your friend's avatars moving around the mountain. And you can scrub that at your own pace. It'll show you broken down with color coding, when you were riding, when you were on the lift, and you can scrub that really quickly, it'll show you elevation gain and speed overlaid on top of it. Like it's a really, really fascinating interaction and sort of data display design problem. Yeah, three dimensional. But too. it's it's all in the context of you alongside your friends, and they have some other really cool things where you can like compare your runs with your friends' runs. So if you did the same runs together all day, you can have. You know, my first run versus my friend's first run, you can see top speed, time spent, all this kind of stuff. And just really fun, interesting depth from data about skiing up and down the mountain. So anyways, uh, that will be my cool thing if you're into this like quantified selfie stuff and also happen to like snowboarding or skiing.
1: Cool. Also, it's an
0: indie app. I think it's two people, which is really impressive. I followed one of the people who makes it. I'll have a link in the show notes if I can find the other person, but I think it's just two, maybe one person. I, I don't know. Breakpoint Studio.
1: Cool. Cool thing, Brian. I've snowboarded once and I think I'm still sore from it. So, <laughs> All yeah. these years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not from me, but this is, this is really cool. It's designed nicely too.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it feels pretty close to stock iOS until you get all, into all that custom visualizing, scrubbing timeline stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, my cool thing this week, I also have an interesting design angle observation on. Nothing new. This is not a a new product by any means, but it's new to me, Brian. So have you heard of this little product called Ember? Is that like a screenshot manager? Oh, no, no, no. It's a coffee cup. Oh, this Ember. Yes, I have
0: heard of this. I'm
1: sure there's like seven different products out there named Ember from like a CMS thing yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, I think there's Ember.js as a JavaScript framework. Yeah, there's a lot of Embers. Yeah, it's
1: a good name. It's a good name. Um, and I guess different enough categories that they can reuse the name without stepping on each other's trademarks. Anywho, Ember, they make a coffee mug. What's so special about this coffee mug, you ask? Well... It is a smart coffee
0: mug, my favorite modifier <laughs> before Word, Brian. Um, uh-huh. It is... You want some software in your coffee? <laughs> this mug needs a firmware update before you can use it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Coughware. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't sound uh-huh. good.
1: Anyways, it's a coffee mug that self-heats, and it's got an app that goes along with it because what smart thing would be complete without its own app? Um, but it's actually really useful because... You can set the temperature, and the cup itself is incredibly smart. You almost don't need the app if all you drink is the same thing, which I basically just drink coffee, so um, I set it to 135. It keeps your coffee at that perfect temperature, and it's smart about when it turns on and when it turns off so it knows if it's empty, and it'll turn the heater off so it's not just, like, burning battery. By the way, it has a battery, so you can take it off of its coaster, which doubles as a charger, and the battery lasts, I think, 80, 90 minutes, depending on which one you get. I got the 14 ounce black one looks nice on my black desk, but, uh, I've seen the white ones and, uh, Virginia actually had a white one, like one of the first models and it's all scraped up and stuff. And, uh, turns out you're not supposed to use it with a metal spoon. So luckily I looked ah, that up pretty mm-hmm. early and I've been stirring with a plastic chopstick, but it's a great product, man. I just love the, like, once you get it set up, it's basically like a normal coffee mug. You can't put it in the dishwasher or anything, but like, otherwise it's normal coffee mug and every time you take a sip here's the best part brian i'm I'm bearing the lead every time you take a sip no matter how long it's been since your last sip it's still hot it's Mm. magic I, i i don't know about you but i have like one mug in the house that actually retains some heat and if that one's dirty then i'm dealing with cold coffee after 20 minutes right so it's uncanny to reach over put the mug in front of my lips, and there's steam coming off of it still. And I made this cup of coffee like an hour ago.
0: Anyways, love this thing. It feels, like, it feels like one of those things. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like a raise to wake on a phone or the feature where you can tap the screen when it's off and it'll wake the screen up. Once you're used to that and you go back to an old phone that doesn't have those features, that old phone feels dead and lifeless and it just feels like a hunk of metal sitting on your table whereas the new thing feels a little bit more connected to you a little more personal like it's alive and breathing and aware of who you are and where you are and how you're interacting with it for some reason this mug gives me the same vibe it's like Does it really make a huge difference or well, hang on. Well, it does make a huge difference. It's more like it doesn't seem like it would until you have it and get used to it. And then going back to the old way of drinking out of a mug that doesn't keep your shit warm feels like going back in time to something that is dead and lifeless and doesn't understand its interaction with human beings. Does that sound somewhat true?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this is the way it should be. Right. I didn't know. I thought the way it was before was fine. But now that I know this way, I realize this is the way it should have always been. Like the object should manage its contents. This is not a new concept, but like applied to this thing makes perfect sense. And why
0: have we never done this before? The question is, is the coaster on your desk or the coaster in the kitchen? So it charges overnight next to the coffee maker or it charges while you're drinking? It charges on my desk. Yeah. Well, cool thing. Uh, a little pricey but
1: a little pricey uh, you know what though the magic has already paid for itself man like the, just <laughs> the, yeah. the, the moments of sheer joy i've had reaching over and being like oh my god coffee's still hot right like that's paid for itself multiple times over so i'm i'm fine but yeah it's what i think 130 is the one that i got it's a lot for a coffee mug but you know this work from home life
0: man i'm trying to i'm trying to yeah, make everything optimize good. optimize yeah. the perfect desk setup might as well yeah That's that's the thing is like these things that we spend every day with, it's not a bad idea to optimize those and make those good and and feel like they're adding little little moments of joy to your life because at the end of the day, we're spending a lot of time in front of our computers, Uh, which, by the way, I do not have the high end Apple display, but that is the only justification I can think of to buy one is just simply the fact that you're going to stare at it for eight hours a day, right? That was my
1: justification for getting this LG 5K thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the LG 5K. Well, you know, Marshall, I really hope we have some fun shit to talk about this year if Apple actually falls through on the latest rumors and releases a sort of down-the-middle new monitor. Uh, Anyways, uh, I digress. Yeah. Well, cool things all around. All right. This has been episode 428. Let us know what you thought. We're always on Twitter, at designdetailsfm. If you have your own question, want to ask us anonymously, you can just shoot us a DM anytime on Twitter or on Patreon. If you want to ask it publicly and we can use your name, you can open an issue on our GitHub repo. Links in the show notes. Otherwise, that's it for this week. Catch you next time.
1: Bye. I've missed one flight, one flight, one time. And the only reason that it happened is because I overplanned. I set up my calendar events and like all of the things ahead of time when I was in a different time zone. And then when I was in the new time zone, everything was off by several hours. Missed the flight. Never do that again. And that was it wasn't even like a bad missed the flight thing where I, I showed up at the airport expecting to be two hours early and I was like, hello, my boarding pass, please. <laughs> Here to check in. And the lady's like, "Um, you're not going to make it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, no, no. It's leaving right now. Oh, Time man. zones, no. Anyways.